Hey mama, is the number one dream in your heart to have more time to be present with your kids? Do you wish you could be present enough to help create and instill godly character, yet you are so busy with work, drowning in the to-dos, the laundry, and the carpool lines? Hi, I'm Michelle, a mom to three energetic kids, wife to an amazing guy, and daughter of the king. For years, I tried to manage my home while struggling to still have time to pour into my kids. The guilt was overwhelming and the to-do list just kept growing. And I was completely overwhelmed and stressed until I realized that I could create systems in my life and my motherhood that would change everything. In this podcast, you will learn time management, batching, habit stacking, setting boundaries, home organization, outsourcing, and you better believe we are going to be dishing out some chores so we can create hours of intentional time to pour into our kids since that is our number one priority as vibrant moms. Grab that lukewarm coffee. Let's stop time. Hey friends, I'm excited to welcome you back to the Busy Vibrant Mom podcast. Today you are in for a real treat. We have an amazing author and guest speaker, Kristen Jensen. She has written the number one best-selling book, Good Pictures, Bad Pictures. It's a series, read out loud books. And she's also the executive producer of Brain Defense, a digital safety and curriculum kind of thing for kids against porn. So this interview might have gone a little bit long. We talked for a while and she is just a delight. Her heart is just for helping parents give kids the right information about porn and help them have a stepping stone to start that conversation that might be really tricky with their kids. So I just encourage you to listen to the whole thing, even though it's a bit long, maybe break it up a little, but we had an amazing time just talking about the dangers of porn and also how to help your kiddos defend against it. And her website is super helpful. It will be in the show notes, but just in case it's defendyoungminds.com and you can find all of her amazing information there and lots of resources. So without further ado, pop in those earbuds and let's get started. Welcome, Kristen. Thank you, Michelle. It's great to be here with you. Tell us a little bit about yourself. You probably didn't think that this would be an industry or I think it would be known no. for? <laughs> no. no, this is not my aspiration as I grew up. <laughs> right. So tell us a little yeah. about yourself and kind of how you got started. Yeah. So I'm kind of an accidental anti-poor person, <laughs> but yeah, I met a woman who had a large family and she was very intent on keeping them safe from the world and all the, you know, bad things in it. But the world came into her home through the internet, and uh, they found out that their son, their oldest son, was sexually molesting his younger brothers and sisters, Mm. which has become a much more common thing, and pornography is fueling it. And so, anyway, pornography was definitely involved in this child's case, and so I talked to her late into the night. She told me all about this. 
really a tragic thing in their family. And then the next morning, I woke up and I just kept thinking, you know, I've got to find a resource so that she could like read to her children and warn them about pornography. And I thought, you know, I'll just go on Amazon. I'll find a book, you know, I'll get it for her. And I went on Amazon. I couldn't find anything. I went on, I just looked and looked and looked and I could not find a children's book that explained the dangers of pornography and why they would want to reject it. You know, because kids are curious, right? But why they would want to reject it. And so I just had this crazy idea that I should write this book. And I majored in English. So anyone that majors in English thinks they can write a book. I don't think it's always true, but you know, I decided I could write a children's book. You know, that would be easy. I'll take a few weeks this summer. Well, it took me three years, but the end result is that we have good pictures, bad pictures. And then later on, I had parents come to me and say, do you have something for younger children? And I'll tell you, the first mom that asked me that, I just felt like, like someone kind of punched me in the gut took my breath away. But then I look around every three-year-old's on an iPad and I'm like, oh yeah. So in any case, that was the impetus for Good Pictures, Bad Pictures Junior. I've also written one for counseling kids, for counselors, and I'm working on a few more. So that was the genesis of how I fell into this. And I'm just so grateful for people like you who are willing to get this message out so that parents can have good resources to use and to help them make this a more comfortable conversation. So true. And it's so hard to know as a parent, like where to start. You know, as a parent, the high level of what this all is, right? And you don't want to freak your kids out, but you want them to know the ins and outs of this is bad and it can hurt you. And so I think Your books are so key because they explain it so black and white. And like, this is what porn is. It's, it's when people don't have their clothes. It's, you know, it's very like, okay, this is a definition that kids can understand Mm -hmm. instead of giving them language. That's adult language. Right. And kids. Yeah. You know, I, I have been criticized saying, well, it's not nuanced enough. I'm like, you know what? If you're trying to be nuanced with a six-year-old, good luck. Good luck with that because kids break, that is not according to the brain development of a child. So you may think you can be nuanced. It's it's just not going to, it's going to go right over their head. So good pictures, bad pictures is for children. It's not for adults. Although honestly, I've had therapists use it for their adult clients because it's just so simply laid out. But yeah, you know, you need a definition. You need a warning and a plan. And those are the three things that every child deserves. And that's what's in good pictures, bad pictures. And and like you said, it is, it's for children. And children are black and white. They're very concrete. They haven't gotten into the, you can get nuanced with them as they get older. Surely you would definitely do that. But unfortunately, young children need to have this warning earlier rather than later. Yeah. And it's becoming earlier and earlier that kids are exposed to technology and phones. As you said, a three-year-old having a phone in the grocery store, their mom hands them their phone or anything is that's that device. And that device is now anywhere. Everybody has a pocket portal to porn in their pocket and kids are taking these to school. 
Yeah. You know, I know I have many, many stories. One of them is of a nine-year-old whose mom read him good pictures, bad pictures. He went to school a few days later on the playground, a kid with a phone, full-on smartphone, internet access. He came up and showed him pornography. And that kid was not caught off guard. He knew, he recognized it, and he knew that he needed to turn away, and then he knew he needed to go tell his mom, and he did, and he told his mom, I was scared, but I knew what to do. I was scared, but I knew what to do, and I don't know about you, Michelle, but when I'm not off guard, I do terrible. Like, I'm, I'm, I always screw up, and I, you know, oh, man, don't you always, like, do, like, Think it, but like hours later, like, oh, I should have said that. And I should have done that. You know, that's that me. Like, I'm not actually very good on my, like, I don't think quickly on my feet. I'm not one of these people that can do that. Hence, I'm not a, you know, there's a lot of professions I did not go into. But yeah, kids deserve that because when they're caught off guard, they don't know what to do. They don't know how to handle the situation. And if we can have crystal balls and know exactly what they're going to face that moment, whether they're three or nine or 13, then that would be great. But we just don't know. And I don't know, Michelle, I've talked to so many people. They're like, I wish my parents had had this. They're like, I know, but you now have, you know, resources and you can help your children. You know, Michelle, I'm sure with your young children, and I'm so grateful that you've used the books with your kids. We loved it. That's great. It, it's just a comfortable way to open up that conversation. But, you know, when our kids are little and they start walking, what do we do? We teach them, don't run out into the street. Stop at the curb. Stop at the corner. Hold mommy's hand. Right, hold, my know, hand. Guys, hold my hand and cross the street. Look both ways. You teach them so that eventually they can safely cross the street, right? But... You start when they're two, right? You start when they can toddle around. You start then, and that's the same. But we we think nothing of giving them a device and letting them on the super internet highway and not giving them any like warnings of the dangers that are on this internet super highway. So I really believe that every child deserves to have this gentle, age-appropriate warning so that they know what to do and to keep those conversations going. Yeah, we actually didn't have our own copy. A friend of ours said, you need to read this book and they do it every, or they did it, they might not now, but they did every year right before the kids were going to go to school in August, but they would just have a refresher talk of, Mm -hmm. by the way, we're going to talk through this. And just as a reminder, if you see stuff, Because as you said, like kids have phones and porn isn't going to come from the places you think it's going to come from like a kid who has older brothers and sisters and happen to see something on their phone. So they want to share it with some other Mm -hmm. kid who may not be exposed to that yet. Or the kids now are clicking around on things and might accidentally run into it. I mean, it's so prevalent in our society. It's it's so gross, but it's been, I think it's even more now than a couple years ago, five years ago. I mean, it's so much easier to obtain. Mm-hmm. You know, people ask me, where do kids get into this? You know, obviously on smartphones, but they do on games, mm-hmm. you know, video games. They do on anything that's connected 
to the internet, a Kindle, a Kindle Fire, even kids where you think you've locked things down, if they have a portal to the internet, like Google Maps, you can get out to the internet through Google Maps pretty easy. And once you're there or through an app on a phone, once you're through the app, there's not many filtering packages or software, you know, things that that can actually follow them through the app and filter it. Like you can't filter it once they get onto social media, once they get onto these things, you can just keep them from having the app on their phone, but unless they're on an internet. So if you want your kid to have social media at the appropriate age, and honestly, with all the social science coming out, we have taken a stand at Defend Young Minds to say, don't give it to them till they're 16. And I know that sounds really old fashioned, but let me tell you, all of the studies are pointing to struggling with mental health issues. But I just think it's a gift to let them have a childhood free from social media. But that's just that, that we could go off on that. But I just, it is a gift. It is such a gift to give kids a warning and, and a plan of what to do. And just you be their mentor, you know, be their mentor, be their safe place that they can ask questions. They just won't come and ask questions about certain things unless you've opened the conversation. I think that's so true. And to open it early because mm-hmm. I don't know about other kids, but our kids stop listening to us more and more as they're getting into middle school and now high school. And so there's other voices that are speaking into them. But as they were little, they soaked up everything. And it wasn't weird to come to us with questions about things. It was, as you said, it's kids are very black and white, especially when they're younger. I saw this, I don't know, or Mm -hmm. somebody said this, or, you know, this happened and they're very black and white. Whereas later they're kind of like, they get embarrassed and they're hesitant Mm -hmm. and they're quite sure. Yeah. You're describing it perfectly, (laughs) Michelle. Because there really is this sweet spot this time when you have more influence or you're the bigger percentage of influence on your child. And you're the one that has forms of context. Like they're not, you know, to you, pornography is like, oh, you, oh I don't want to like pour tar into their brain by saying the word. Well, you're not going to, right? You're, you're just going to give them a defense against it. So... Yeah, I was going to ask, what age is your first book for, the junior one? And then what age is kind of the second one for? Yeah. So my first book was actually the one for the older kids. And then I went and wrote the one for the younger kids. But the junior book is for ages, I say three to six, but lots of parents will do it seven or even eight as a first kind of a lead in. Mm -hmm. And then they'll get the older book. And the older book talks a lot about your brain, you have two brains and how an addiction is formed because, you know, we've done pretty well in the last 40 years or so of keeping kids out of tobacco. I'm kind of aging myself, I guess. But when I was a kid, they still had those candy cigarettes that we would pretend that we were like smoking. Well, that's a long time ago and nobody, nobody would ever give a kid candy cigarettes. Today, we are much more enlightened about that. We're enlightened about alcohol. We don't let 
you know, depending on the state, but whatever, you know, you can't buy alcohol as a kid legally. So we're really good about that. We're not very good about porn. And porn is just as addictive as any of these substances. And it's free. So if you had a meth problem and you could get meth from your phone free in the privacy of your own bedroom, right? Anytime you wanted it, 24-7, would you have a meth addiction problem? I'm pretty sure you would. So it's the same thing with porn. And, and so you've asked about like how, when we should do it. It's when those kids have any access to the internet. And that's why I wrote the junior book is because kids are getting access earlier and earlier and they need to have a, a gentle warning from the get-go. And those conversations are not as hard as you think. I've just had so many and you can go and there's thousands of reviews on Amazon and I think one of the main things is how comfortable the books are to read to your kids. It's not uncomfortable. It's like you said, straightforward and simple and age appropriate. Yeah. We just found that they were so easy to open up a conversation and to be like, okay, let's just sit down and read this. And the book itself presents as it's presented, it's very black and white. And then it allows you just to have that stepping stone of a conversation. Mm -hmm. In the junior book, there's these little sticky notes that are in the part of the illustrations that have little questions that you can stop and talk about them. And in the book for older kids, every chapter has a page where you have questions that you can answer. And I would recommend that you have kids write the answer because when kids write something out, there is a connection in the brain and it's more memorable and it's more meaningful. So I would recommend that you have the kids write it out. If not in the book, then in a, on another piece of paper. So if you get it from the library or a friend, totally fine. Just, I would say have them write out the answers to these questions because there is something about writing that is really powerful. I agree. Yeah, definitely. One of the things that we've kind of talked about or just touched on was the question of how do parents kind of tackle tech? As we've said, there's so much integration of technology with iPads and phones and laptops and all the things. And you may hand your kid a device that you think is fine. Maybe you've even put stuff on it to prevent things. But as you said, kids can even get stuff through Google Maps. So how do you tackle the tech? Well, first of all, I'll just give you a couple of tips. It is ever-changing. So you kind of have to start with like, how are you going to manage the technology in your family? Are you going to let it hurt your relationships or are you going to let it help you build your relationships? Because I really believe that phones and, you know, if everyone's sitting around with a phone, how many of us have seen this? sad thing play out where you're at a restaurant and you look over and everyone's just on their phone. Parents are ignoring kids. Kids are ignoring parents because these phones are like built to grab our attention, right? And I, I'm very careful. I have grandchildren now. So I am very careful. Grandma does not, she is not on her phone when those grandkids are around. And if I have to be, I narrate. I say, grandma, just got a text from your mommy. I have to answer it. Or grandma just got a work text or, a, you know, I have to just make a reply. So that's what I'm doing. I'm going to put it down. I put it down. The other right. thing is don't give your kids a phone 
or an iPad for Christmas or anything like that. Give your kids access, access. And even if you have given them something, you can change that. You can go back to, you know, really, we paid for this. We pay for the internet and we are paying and you get access, but it's our rules. It's our rules. You can use this as long as you are obeying our rules. Once they think it's theirs, it's a whole nother psychological dynamic. So those are the few tips. We have a Tackle the Tech Facebook group on our Defend Young Minds Facebook page. And we are also on Instagram. So I totally invite you to join us on Instagram, Facebook. In this group on Facebook, you can ask questions. You can get advice from other parents. And a while ago, we asked about like, you know, how do you, how do you deal with these devices? You know, and we got so much great feedback from the parents themselves. And we kind of put it in a four step, like you want to step them up in technology. Like you don't want to just hand them a phone. It's their first thing when they're six. You want to get them a device, maybe a watch or maybe, you know, something. And we have reviews on all of these things on defendyoungminds.com. And we have a whole category called Tackle the Tech. So look at that. We review all the watches. We review all the phones, the safe phones, because there's Bark and Gab and Pinwheel and Trumi. And, you know, we kind of compare all of those. So and real moms with real kids have compared them. And so that's helpful as well. Again, technology is ever changing. You know, in five minutes, it's going to change. So that's why you have to have evergreen principles that you kind of establish in your home. And granting them access instead of giving them is one thing. Having rules, like places where you don't have phones. We don't have phones at the dinner table. We don't have phones. We do not let kids go in their bedrooms with their devices. Now, this was hard during COVID when everyone had to like homeschool. But like, no, kids are losing sleep. No. No, no devices in the privacy. They don't get it. They, and one more thing. We wrote an article about this. Your kids don't actually deserve privacy. Okay? Like that, I'm sorry, but they don't. Now when it comes to electronics, it's not, no, you're not doing them a service. You know, when they get to a certain age, if you want to let them have privacy while they get dressed, sure. But they don't need privacy on these devices. They need oversight. They need someone to come up. They're not, they're not mature enough to handle these devices. So if you're going to let them have a device, I definitely would say step them up, maybe a watch and then a, a phone that's a, a safe phone. And then eventually when they're 16, maybe a smartphone with some filters on it or accountability software or something, but step them up. And don't bring them to the next step until they show that they can actually adhere to the guidelines and rules that you've established. And then when they can show they have responsibility and they're willing to do that, then they get the privilege of having more access. And yeah, don't get sucked into this whole, oh, my child needs their privacy. No, they don't. They do not. In fact, that is like, that's going to lead to all kinds of problems. And I hear so many stories and There are parents out there with lots of regrets. You don't have to be one of them. And you can always turn things around, even if you have. 
Right. I think that's so true that even it's, it's giving us parents grace. Like it's okay. If you made a mistake before, like if you gave your kid a phone and now you're rethinking that idea, that's okay. We have a contract, like a tech contract for our kids mm-hmm. and it has those things of like tech stays in public places. You can't have it in your, your room. It goes to bed at night. It goes in its little box in the office and it all gets plugged in so that it will be happy the next day, but it, it goes away. Like you can't have it in your room. You're not allowed to have it in, you know, private places. And we have still run into like issues. So Mm -hmm. it's huge. Even if you try to safeguard stuff, you have lots. Yes. If I had kids today, I would seriously get one of those lock boxes that lock at night. I know people that have, and they have these like for, I know there's some, oh, what's her name? Anyway, she's a, she's a YouTuber and she's like, she's a mom, she has three kids. And she's like, this phone goes into this box so that I cannot, you know, so there are boxes out there. I would lock them up because I can't tell you how many stories I've heard of kids sneaking in the middle of the night Getting even if they know that it will take their mother's fingerprint to open it up, they do, and they'll take her finger when she's asleep, and and they'll sneak down anyway because the pull is so strong, and their thinking brain is not so strong. So the brakes are not strong, and the pull of this material is strong. It's very strong, and it's not that our kids are bad. No, they're not bad and you're not bad, but pornography is bad and it's bad for them. But unless you have robot kids, you know, if you have robot kids, you can just kind of reprogram, right? But human kids are going to feel a biological pull and they have to overcome that. It's because it is so strong. And if you think Mm -hmm. about it, like we as adults, as parents, we are pulled to our phone all the time, right? And it's hard for us even knowing how much energy yeah. goes to our phone that we shouldn't be pulled and scrolling through social and doing all the things. It takes us even time to step back. And we've already gotten to mature, yes. hopefully, or most right. of Yes. Hopefully our brains are, you know, our thinking brains are fully developed. But yeah, we have to model how to use these phones. I don't know. I, I remember sitting one day and just this voice came into my head. You are to put your phone down when those grandkids are over. And it was just like, <laughs> and I'm like, okay, that's, that's good. I'll do that. You know? <laughs> so I just really am careful. I don't want them to ever feel like they have to compete against a phone for grandma's attention. And I'm not perfect. But like when they have memories and when they think back, I don't want them to think. We um, had an article, this is years ago, many years ago, but it was floating around on uh, probably Facebook or somewhere where a teacher, a second grade teacher had their kids, had the students write out some technology that they did not like. And this kid drew a picture of a cell phone. And he said, I hate my mom's phone. I wish it would break. I don't like it. I mean, he was just very like, you could tell. And it was so sad. She put that 
she took a picture of it and put it out there. Of course, I'm sure, you know, his name was blurred or whatever, but like, it just really profoundly, you know, don't make your kids like compete with the phone or technology for your attention. And this has been a problem throughout history. It's not like it's, except these are so much more addicting. Anyway, sorry to have a lecture here. <laughs> I know I get on YouTube and I'm like watching the shorts. I get pulled in myself. So I'm always trying to work on myself as well. No, I think that's good. I think one of the keys that you said was you are narrating what you're doing when you're with your grandkids mm -hmm. of just mm -hmm. a minute. I have to look at this. I know I try to do that with my kids, but I forget all the time. And then they just see <laughs> me on my phone. They don't know if it's work yeah. or if I'm watching a YouTube video or yeah. if I'm responding to my husband who's driving and at the grocery store or, yeah. you know, they, it's all the same. Yeah. It's a great habit to get. And then you're, remember you're modeling to them their use of technology. And so there's a lot we could talk about with that, but I, it's such a gift to give kids a way and knowledge about rejecting pornography because pornography is the one addiction that a kid can easily get pulled into and it can just affect them and their lives really for the rest of their lives. It's if, you know, we don't often think about this, but really we want our kids to have great sex lives, right? We yeah. want them to have a wonderful, intimate close relationship with their spouse when they get married. I'm a little old fashioned about that, but that's great. Hey, just as God yeah. designed. Yes. And so I wanted, you know, that's what I wanted for my daughters. And the problem is pornography will point them in the opposite direction. Pornography will absolutely damage their ability to have sexual intimacy with their spouse. It, it absolutely will. And it will it ruins so many marriages. And, you know, when you hear someone get divorced, you don't always know why, but they tell me, they could tell me it was born, it was born, it was born. And I just keep hearing these stories and I see the statistics about like, you know, 60% of all marriages these days end because of pornography. All of these studies that show that if people in a marriage are watching pornography, that they have a much higher, like three times higher likelihood of infidelity. And that's painful. I, in my background, my parents, there was infidelity issues there. And I can tell you how painful that was, you know, as children to have that marriage break up. So I just, I really, you know, I just want children to have half a chance to grow up without all this toxic, these toxic sexual scripts. Yeah. It's so true. Yeah. It's like a an avalanche of filth that is constantly being piled on our kiddos. The more tech and the more social and the more stuff that they are in, it's tough. You want them just to be kids. Like you don't need to worry, like go play outside. Like you don't yeah. need to yeah. be constantly on your phone or be freaked out because all your friends are at some other social party and you're not there and all oh, the things that tech oh. brings, right? That we yeah. didn't to have. We just went and played. Yeah. It was just, it was a gift. It's beautiful. Right. <laughs> yeah. And we can still do that with our kids. We can still help them have real childhoods, but 
when you teach a child what pornography is, why it's harmful, and what to do when they see it, you are actually giving them such a gift and a defense, and it's a way for them to protect their innocence, right? To keep their innocence more than if you don't say a thing, because then, you know, like you said, it's everywhere and it's coming from so many directions. And you just, I really believe, you know, no child deserves to face the porn industry alone. They need our help and they deserve our help. So true. So true. Now, we kind of touched on the fact that computers are hard to navigate and that kind of thing. And a lot of people put filters on their family computers or their kids' devices. So we're just kind of wondering, does that offer the best protection or how best would you protect your kids against getting exposed to porn? First of all, I think all of these filters, whether it's on a device, on your Wi-Fi, I think they're great. But I think that it needs to be like, hey, we're going to put this on all of our devices so that we're protecting the entire family. We don't want to see this stuff and we don't want you to see it. And then the other thing is to know that you can't just check that box because it's a two-pronged kind of process. You've got to give them filters for the devices, but then you have to help them build an internal filter because the internal filter is the only one that's actually going to go with them wherever they go, to school, to sports, to wherever, to grandma's house, where grandma might not have any kind of filters on her internet, right? Or a friend's um, house. Or, or friend's house. As soon as they leave that door. So again, you have to build, and you know, teachers call this building a disposition, all right? Building a disposition. You want to build a disposition in your child to reject porn, to see that it's bad for them, to see that they will be happier if they keep it out of their brain. And that needs to start early, as soon as they have any access to any internet. And I would caution about just handing a phone to your child. That gives them expectations. I know it's really easy, but think about it. Like think about what that is getting them used to and the expectations that it's building. And also, Let's say there's a game that they want to be able to play. Put it on a tablet that has no other internet connection ability to get, you know, just keep it locked down because once you give them your phone, you can't lock down all the other things. And if they go off and they're playing it, there's no protection that they can't get to anything else. So be very careful and intentional about the use of technology with your children. You know, the big tech giants, the ones that have children, they're not letting their kids have iPads. They're not using, you know what they do? They send their kids to Waldorf schools, right? Where they are in the forest and the trees and all the natural stuff, right? That's what they do. They don't let them have the technology because they know. They know because they hire the best and the brightest to make these things so addicting. And pornography is addicting. It's just as addicting as any substance, except it's free. <laughs> I mean, it's free. And there are sexual cues, you know, everywhere. So, yeah, I really believe that we have to be very intentional about our technology use and very intentional about warning children about the actual dangers they will face and setting them up for success to thrive in the digital age. I mean, this is... 
it's a great time in history. We have so many blessings because of technology. We can use it in such a wonderful way. So I'm grateful for it. I'm grateful. I'm grateful we could be talking today over technology, right? I know. But, I know. but you know, we need to warn our kids about the downsides and keep them. So they have what I call digital defense skills. One thing that we have is called brain defense, digital safety. And we have a family version. It's a curriculum, super easy, you know, open and go. And it's not taught by me, thank goodness. It's taught by six fun, funny, appropriate humor, teens. Um, it's for seven to 11, because that's when these kids are getting exposed. And that's when they need to start developing these really positive, healthy tech habits. And we call these teens the brain gang, and they teach all of these. And we found, and, and social scientists found that kids love and they listen to their older peers. And that's why we used the brain gang, right? To teach these concepts because kids will listen to you. But when they have other people, like if they have a pastor or a teacher or a coach that's also saying, don't, you know, also warning them about these things and helping them see what's healthy for them. And then they have their older peers, whether they have older siblings that will talk to them or the brain gang in brain defense, all of those voices, it's so important that they hear it from multiple voices and it just gets stronger and stronger. So it normalizes and they're like, yeah, Warren, it's lame. We're not going to do that. You know? Yeah. I was watching the the brain gang, or at least a little bit of it with my 10 year old. And he was like, me. So I would say started even earlier than like yeah. seven, like six. So yeah. this, like, get into it. Like, oh, those guys are cool. As you said, yeah. They're, yeah. Older, they're talking about it yeah. and they're kind of like, oh, hmm. yeah, it, it, we say seven to 11, but I've had people show up to their five and six year olds. Right. And, you know, it's interesting, different families and different kids respond differently, but the mm -hmm. messages, we, we also have like role play questions for the parents. We have workbooks. So those messages are so important to teach. So, you know, you got to find what works, but <laughs> we have a lot of great, like you said, the earlier, the better, sooner is safer. Hashtag sooner is safer. I love that. I love that. Yeah. I love that you have a lot of tools. Like you have books for the younger ones. You have curriculum, the brain gang, you have stuff just for the parents of pamphlets and things to read and guides, workbooks and guides. So I think it's, as you said, it's not a one set thing because your kids are at different age levels. The older one may react differently than like the younger one who's more mature or has seen more, you know, so you have mm -hmm. to as a parent, it's helpful to have these different tools that you can kind of switch between. Yeah. Absolutely. So yeah, download our free guide, How to Talk to Kids About Pornography. It's a quick start guide and it'll give you some great statistics. It'll give you some great tips on how to get these conversations started, how to continue these conversations. And it'll subscribe you to our newsletter, which we send out like once a week. And it, we usually have wonderful articles. And I honestly don't know any other 
I hate to brag, but I mean, we really produce a lot of great content. Recently, we have had, I mean, we've had, we just covered the whole gamut of digital dangers. For example, we just wrote an article about co-parenting. What happens if you're divorced and you have to deal with technology? When should you get the, you know, if you're the custodial parent, but then the other parent buys a phone for the kid, like, how do you deal with that? And how can you get in there early with legal language in a parent agreement to really try to avoid some of these problems in the future? Even if your children are young, you've got to be thinking that they're going to be 10, 11, 12, 13, whatever, at some point. So we have a lot of great advice just on so many topics. So please visit us at defendyoungminds.com, download one of our guides. We have several free guides, some that are just a nominal price that supports our work. And yeah, we just want to help you. We want to come along and just answer your questions. And we are always open. People email us all the time and we respond to every email. I love that. Because as we mentioned, technology is always changing. You need new tools all the time. Or as you said, you have conversations about different topics that that might not co-parenting divorce maybe wasn't so prevalent before. So that wasn't an issue of trying to manage technology through two different parents. So many things. I love the idea that you have your Facebook because the Facebook group I'm sure is super helpful because as we said, technology is changing all the time and you have real people with real issues and real questions that are coming to you asking on a daily basis, uh-oh, yeah. what happens with this? What about this scenario? Right, right. And you can ask anonymously. So that's totally fine. A lot of people don't want to implicate their kids, whatever, but they can ask anonymously about some of the problems they're having. And we give real answers and people in the community, you know, pitch in and answer. So yeah, tackle the tech on our Defend Young Minds Facebook group. Also, we have lots of wonderful content that comes out through our social media. So join us there. I just want to say to, you know, a lot of people, if I can just get this last point in, <laughs> and that is we are often more comfortable talking about the topic of preventing sexual abuse in children than we are about pornography. But the truth is this, if you can give your kids a defense against pornography, they are so much safer from physical hands-on sexual abuse because pornography is the number one grooming tool. And I have had so many reports of parents coming to me and saying, we read good pictures, bad pictures, and then my kid was getting groomed and they knew to come and tell me and boom, that stopped that. One six-year-old was at they went to a friend's home for dinner. That seems like a safe thing, right? They're yeah. all there together. But the six-year-old, they said uh, the toys were put downstairs just temporarily because they were doing some renovations upstairs. And they could run down the stairs, grab a toy, and come back up. So they ran down the stairs. And this little six-year-old was kind of trying to know which toy should I get. And he was alone for just a few moments. And uh, there's a man down there that rented the basement. And he came over with his phone, showed him gay porn and said, this would be so fun and started to like 
groom him. And this little six-year-old totally knew what to do. He recognized that this man was showing him porn. He knew that no adult should ever show a child and no child should ever show a child pornography. He hoofed it back up the stairs and told his mom and he was saved from that really dangerous situation. Now, what if he had not known anything, you right. know, or even had the vocabulary to talk to his mom about, or even know that he should get out of that situation? Kids are so trusting. And I've had many other stories of kids that get themselves safe from a hands-on predator because they were warned about pornography. So all forms of sexual exploitation are linked. And warning your children about pornography will keep them safer from all other forms of sexual exploitation. Oh, that's just an awful thought, but like a good thought. Like we, of course, want thought. to protect our kids, right? But just awful that like that kind of thing happens to kiddos. Like just just oh, the stories I bet you have heard. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Don't envy me. <laughs> Don't envy me. <laughs> but really, we want to keep our kids safe. And there's just so many harmful outcomes from pornography. Every person that's listening to this may have a different fear or reason. What I want you to do is overcome your fear of this discussion and this conversation so that your children are safer from all of these you know, harmful outcomes. And we can do it. We can do it. It's not as hard as you think. Once you get started, it's really not that that hard. And kids actually, we have so many reports of kids really enjoying this book. One mom told me that she had gotten the book from Amazon. She opened it. She put it down in her coffee table and then went in the kitchen to do some things. And her six-year-old was there. And apparently the six-year-old was pretty good reader because he got the book. He read the book and he came into his mom. He says, they had the book. He goes, this is a good book. <laughs> and so, you know, not all six-year-old boys are going to have that kind of attention span. Obviously not. But kids like to feel empowered. They like to feel like they're taken seriously and that you're teaching them, you know, serious things. And that's what we try to do with Good Pictures, Bad Pictures is to empower those children to defend themselves from a predatorial industry and from media that will really cripple them and have really devastating mental health outcomes. So they deserve it and we can do it. It's really, it's doable. It is doable, 100%. Oh, I love your message and just what you guys are doing as a company, just helping parents, partnering with them in helping to fight this awfulness that is just around. And so thank you so much for all that you do and for coming and talking today. I'll put all the information in the show notes so that people can find you and find all your information so that they can go check everything out and connect with you and the Facebook group. And so they can um, ask any more questions that they need to. Thank you so much. Thank you, Michelle. Did this podcast bless you? Did you learn something new? Did this podcast encourage you? Please leave our mom a review. Pretty please.
I hope you loved today's episode, friend. I pray it blessed you, encouraged you, or challenged you in some new way that is helping you. If so, would you stop right now and share this episode with someone else that needs community too? I also would love if you could take 30 seconds for me and leave me a review on Apple Podcast. This is the only way that I know that you are actually enjoying the show and that it is blessing you. Plus, it makes me happy to hear from you. Come on over to our free community, birdmichelle.com, and grab your free gifts. I have free productivity programs and everything you need to know about working with me taking my courses or connecting. Lastly, don't forget to subscribe to the podcast so that you don't miss an episode. 